Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast, bringing together the best technical leaders to talk about the industry passions and challenges that they are facing. I'm Ollie Stockford from Evolution Recruitment Solutions, helping businesses connect with top tech talent, and today I am your host. So today we're going to be discussing how AI is transforming sports technology and boosting athletes' performance. An interesting topic for sure, and therefore I am really excited to get into this one. I'm delighted to be joined by Kurt Scute from Ranisi, Miko Neumann from Bulldekeskus, and David Dunn from Hexis. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work around the room with some introductions. So Kurt, do you want to kick us off, please? Yeah, sure. Thank you for this uh, kind of introduction. Lovely to be here with you guys. Uh, yeah, as yeah, so I'm Kurt. I'm uh, South African of origin, but in the last uh, nine years, I've been in in Leuven, in Belgium, based where. Um, Basically, my background is, has been in sports science and in biomechanics, applied biomechanics to, to running specifically. And uh, in K. Leuven, the university there works very interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary. And uh, what we did there from a basic uh, machine learning AI perspective was moving out of the lab, the traditional motion capture lab inside, um, yeah, to basically connect, uh, well, to measure biomechanics. To the real world outside where we can collect vast amounts of data and switch from traditional measures towards uh, going towards yeah ai and machine learning models and it's been quite a journey and we've had a lot of lessons learned and from there we had a spin-off from the university we created run easy to basically disseminate the technology and put it in the hands of runners of physiotherapists and coaches and uh yeah it's been uh, quite a journey Perfect. Thank you. Miko? Yeah, so Miko, uh, thank you for inviting me on this podcast. Um, my background is, is uh, uh, I'm an engineer uh, and I've been, been working with uh, technologies uh, in the past, quite many different uh, technologies. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, last last five or so years, uh, been working with uh, with, with climbing and, and, and in Boulder Geskus and, and now I'm working as a CEO here. So Boulder Keskus is uh, bouldering or climbing gym chain uh, here in Finland, and uh, yeah, we you I can see from my from my 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 uh, chair that uh, how the technology is developing and it's coming to to our company and to our customers and 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 on the sports of climbing as well. So it's good, like uh, from engineering perspective, to combine these two. Uh, technology and the sports. Perfect. Thank you. And finally, David. Thanks a million for having me. Uh, my background is originally in sports nutrition, where I've been working as an applied practitioner for just over the last decade. Uh, really fortunate to be part of a lot of major sporting events and sporting leagues. So uh, I've worked across three Olympic Games, uh, multiple Ryder Cups, multiple leagues, including the NBA, the Premier League, Premiership Rugby, uh, as well as with a range of of individual professional athletes. But Recently co-founded Hexus with a, a very talented multidisciplinary group of behavioral scientists, computer scientists, data scientists, and exercise physiologists. And really what we've built is a predictive nutrition ecosystem that is optimizing the performance of both athletes and their coaches. So yeah, excited to get into it a little bit more. Perfect. Thank you very much, all of you, for that introduction. Um, now we're all introduced, let's move into the topic uh, in focus. We've all been discussing separately a question or a statement, and as usual, what I'll do is I'll work around the room asking you to give your thoughts on your question and the reasons behind it. Each of you will then have the opportunity to take uh, to give your take, sorry, on the situation too. So let's start with Kurt. 
Kurt, your question was, in what ways does AI help athletes to stay healthy and prevent injuries? And how important is this aspect of sports technology? Yeah, sure. So I think there's various ways uh, AI is helping at the moment. If you look at the continuum between what we call prevention uh, through to rehabilitation, there's a lot of different use cases, a lot of different different aspects uh, where AI could be helping. Uh, If you look in our context or our specialization, we're really focused on endurance running and specifically for overuse injuries because we know that when runners are spending many, well, many minutes, hours, distance, kilometers, miles outside, they're accumulating loads um, and not just physiological loads that we've traditionally uh, have been monitoring for decades now with uh, heart rate and and other types of, you know, physiological-based measures, but also biomechanical is, is the biomechanical aspect or system is really, really important as well. And that's something that we focused on because it's been quite neglected in the real world case. Uh, well, traditionally, it's been measured in 3D biomechanics lab, but being able to get that type of high fidelity, quality, accurate data where athletes are actually training on the track, on the trails, on the, you know, on the tarmac, wherever, wherever it might be, has been quite a challenge. And... So what, our first step towards doing that was actually getting getting quality data from wearable sensors, biomechanical information that either looks at the impact loads or shock absorption on the body. And secondly, how is the runner tolerating those impacts in terms of maintaining good stability while they're running? And um, the different types of questions that we tried to help answer there was, you know, from a, you know, health and pers- health perspective of, of, the, of the runner, we're looking at the musculoskeletal system. You know, bones, tendons, muscles, how are they responding and possibly adapting or maladapting to the training loads? And is there a way we can, you know, you know, kind of the dream would be to be able to define the exact moment before an injury would occur. You know, that was what we were striving for at the university with our research was saying, okay, are there some early warning signs that we can get from being able to monitor every single step uh, in an outdoor context? They can, you know, shed light to provide indicators about whether an injury is going to develop or pain is going to develop. Um, and so we designed a lot of experiments in outdoor settings. And um, the idea there was really well. One of the key challenges is the chicken or the egg when it comes to injury and movement of biomechanics. What we know is that it's really hard to define whether the way we're moving or you know the movement patterns that we have is that the risk factor that's causing the injury. So is it leading up to it or is it a compensation strategy due to the injury or pain itself? So through vast amounts of data, uh, we were able to you get closer to that question and start understanding um, where, where in the continuum that is and wh- where we can identify hopefully before or after. And um, yeah, so basically injury, pre- injury prediction is something that we've been working on and optimizing. And since we launched, launched Run Easy, uh, we've been able to collect even more data from our, our users and our clients that are now labeling different types of injuries. So having accurate labeling, labeling is another challenge that we've been working with to try and be able to have subcomponents uh, to understand certain types of injuries that, are, that might be developing in runners. Where are they happening? Uh, how are they related to all these other factors? Because it's, it's multifactorial. And um, always having a clinical eye uh, prove it or um, you know, basically confirm whether what we're seeing in the data is clinically relevant or useful, um, especially in the context of outdoor running where you have 
so many environmental factors changing in surfaces uh, changing in the weather changing in yeah the, the training status of the runner which makes it very complex and a very exciting problem to be to be working on uh, the other area is really in re- rehabilitation and recovery and that's I would say where most of our uh, predictions or machine learning is being used is helping to assess the you know the gates of return from injury because most runners I think, I think 50 to 70 percent of overuse or of endurance runners sustain at least one injury per year typical overuse type of injury say whether it's shin splints or a runner's knee or you know a plantar fasciitis in the foot so they're always somewhere lurking between this this uh, phase of coming out of injury or leading up to a new one and and the biggest risk factor for injury is having one so it's uh it's, it's always difficult to pinpoint where they are in the continuum but the return to running is is where it gets really interesting together with physical therapists sports physiotherapists and running physiotherapists we help to identify this kind of moments and milestones of returning back to full performance uh, and full goals in which they were uh, aiming for um, and try to optimize that as quickly as possible by identifying where the weak links are and uh, personalizing that experience for them. Perfect. Thank you very much, Kurt. I, I told you it had a many layers, this uh, this whole topic. Um, have you got any thoughts to add there, Nico um, or David? Anything to add to, to that? Yeah, I, th- I think Kurt's made a really interesting point, which is, you know, not just in biomechanics at the minute and in sort of sport more broadly, which is really looking at ecological validity. And actually, we are transitioning away from laboratory-based settings and we're able to capture behaviors, whether it is biomechanics-related, whether it is, again, it, c- it could be anything. It could be sleep. It could be nutrition. But we're actually seeing these applied in context. Because I think a lot of, you know, if we look at the history of, I suppose, sports science and human performance, you know, we all, we obviously have been limited by the lab and typically breakthroughs have been punctuated by breakthroughs in technology. So for example, when we wanted to understand, let's say, fuel metabolism a little bit better, a new piece of kit was built. And now we're just seeing this, I suppose, in today's modern age, the availability of new technology is enabling us to gather this in ecologically valid settings and it feels like something that is going to accelerate more and more. And we did see some of this, I think, in Tokyo as well. There was some 10,000-meter marathon um, and race walkers who were starting to wear some devices during the event to try capture it. So, yeah, excited excited to see where it goes. Cheers, David. And Miko, anything to add to that? Yeah, in general, I would say that that, that this biomechanics analysis is, is so important in, uh, because it's so complex in all sports, I would say. So, so it's kind of a, with, with AI, it kind of, because there's so much, uh, data around it, it, and it will help the, uh, all sports in general. I would just say that. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Thank you all for that. Um, Miko staying with you there. So your question, uh, was how does AI powered virtual reality, uh, training help athletes to improve their skills and develop new ones and what advantage does this method have over traditional training methods? Yeah. Uh, so first of all, I, I would say that this is already here. So kind of people are mainly thinking that it's something that is future, but but actually this augmented or, or virtual reality uh, tools or equipment even are, are existing. And for, as an example, uh, uh, we have a 
this type of uh, augmented reality wall where you can actually climb uh, in the game or at the wall some boulder problem and uh, uh, you are part of it uh, and this such a great tool uh, or equipment uh, let's say to motivate children for example uh, to do the sport uh, but it also develops their skills uh, because you can try certain movement patterns uh, at the wall uh, so they, they they learn new skills so to say and it's it's highly motivating for them but also for for adult climbers or, 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 or athletes it's very motivating because in climbing for example uh, you have uh, aerobic climbing is something which which most of us consider it's not uh, it's boring so to say uh, so with this type of a tool you can motivate even the adult climbers to do this type of aerobic climbing uh, and and because these tools can record your your climbing as well then afterwards you can even analyze this I, and 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 uh, I, I can see that these type of uh, applications are coming more and more in all sports. And and this, because of course, if we talk talk, talk about the uh, top athletes, you ha- you need to start very early nowadays. The, your sport uh, and 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 gaming is here. So so if you combine these type of two things, then then for sure we can see uh, lots of development and and lots of. Uh, ways to improve how the kids and uh, youth athletes are are, are uh, succeeding in sport and uh, actually, I would say that uh, I would say that the second uh, this is kind of a bit of a future uh, application I would say but 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 uh, this vir- virtual reality uh, that that's also very interesting uh, area uh, because in climbing you have this outdoor climbing which is uh, very very big sport coming all the time but it's more and more traveling around the world for example in south africa you have really great uh, spot in in rockland so uh where i've been but if you want to have your your um, project there that you you really train for your project but you you don't have chance to go and see your outdoor rock but with this type of virtual reality uh, applications you can really go there and see and and even almost feel how it feels to climb this rock uh, and this I can see is very important for example uh, when you think about mental training so you kind of have already the uh, idea what will happen there uh, so uh, yeah lots of applications I can see will come up uh, there is already but will come up in the future brilliant any thoughts to add there, David or Kurt? I just agree around the me- the mental side of things. I think when you when you have access to these tools that can, you know, in many ways, typically when people are looking at visualization skills, it would have been more of a mental or cognitive process where you would have had to close your eyes and think about what it looks like, think about what it feels like. Whereas actually, you you know, your eyes are wide open, you can see it in front of you, and I think that exposure. And the potential role that it can play in familiarization protocols is is something that will be really interesting as it gets explored. And, and like you said, you know, Apple's big release um, of the sort of VR headsets and some of what that technology can look and feel like is, in many ways, it's almost, if we think back years ago, it's kind of like when the phones came in and it was a big brick and, you know, the battery life was poor and it wasn't really accepted or adopted, it's 
we're probably only a couple of years off that kind of thing being normal. So I think a lot of us have to remain agnostic in many ways with some of the technology and the tools that come out because the pace of change is just so fast. But it'll be fun to to watch it unfold. Definitely. Kurt, anything else to add there? Yeah, sure. I think there's a couple of uh, interesting things. It you know, looks like a really exciting uh, field that's that's developing there, but um, it touches also back to maybe even the ecological validity that you mentioned, uh, that David mentioned as well, is now we're able to, you know, be able to simulate these ecologically valid, valid situations without even having to be in those real world situations. And uh, and the second point is about that is is the the speed of learning, the skill acquisition. I uh, I believe that can really really accelerate the the motor control, the motor learning process in uh, such a yes safe and secure environment, and being able to practice in that feedback loop. Is just is 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 shrunk down to yeah real time, and we know that with athletes' skill development, especially that the faster the feedback, the faster the uh, ability to learn and to optimize. So I think that uh, can play a huge role there. It's really really exciting to to see that development. Brilliant, thank you. So David, back to you there then for your question, uh, which was what role does AI play in modern sports technology? And how has it revolutionized the way athletes train and perform? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question. And I think it's it's not just influenced athletes. I think it's influenced practitioners in the whole organization. Because I think one of the biggest things that, if we take practitioners in that piece of the puzzle, for example, now, I think the ability to, I suppose, automatically process, interpret, and report data in real time has removed massive manual inefficiencies that exist from the sporting organization and the practitioner side. So from my perspective, you know, the sports nutritionist, typically you'd have a consult with a player, you'd sit down, you'd discuss a few things, you'd go away, you'd jump behind a laptop, you'd manually pull together a plan, you would manually analyze um, some data and you'd manually generate a report. In terms of accessing that data, that process with, I suppose, the introduction of AI can now be introduced uh, and produced in seconds. So, for example, what we've been building at Hexus has been looking at aggregating all those siloed data streams and looking at using our intelligence systems to automate those processes. So, all of a sudden now, we've the role of the practitioner in the sports environment has actually changed. And I suppose we've often spoke about, we call it a hybrid practitioner, where the actual coach has to be very good at what humans are good at. Can you build relationships? Can you have conversations? How good are your listening skills? And that element that was more algorithmically derived in their role of bringing in data, looking at the calculations, interpreting it, that's almost been removed and put put to the computers and the AI now, because that's the thing that they're good at. It's, you know, we all know, you know, computers are stupid until you teach them how to behave. Um, and again, when you can start to, let's say, offload or systematize some of the domain expertise in that area, and allow humans to do what they're good at. I think from an athlete's perspective, you've you've ended up getting much more than one benefit that technology brings. I think you bring the immediacy of right now you have this empowerment and enablement to when you want to know or you know what this data means for you, you can access it now. You can typically access it from your pockets. You know, you've come off the pitch, you immediately know how to recover, how to refuel. You know, you're preparing for a game tomorrow. You can see exactly what load has come through and what that means for you this week. All of those algorithmic tasks now automated. But it also probably means that you now have the opportunity to build more meaningful relationships with coaches, have more conversations. 
And I think this is the the thing that I find really interesting moving forward as as an athlete, because because you have access to now twenty four seven support with intelligent systems, you also have this hidden opportunity, which is better relationships with staff in your organizations as well. So I'll be interested to see how that starts to evolve over the next five, 10 years, because more tech is coming in, more tools are coming in. And I think it will be the practitioner's role to decide how they best integrate it alongside their practice, as opposed to just replace them and what they're doing, because there's still going to be a huge amount of tacit knowledge tied up in the human. So yeah, from an athlete's perspective, it seems like a bit of a win-win. You're going to get a better version of the human and you're going to get this immediate access to information and real-time feedback. Um, from the practitioner's perspective, I think they're in an uncomfortable spot where they need to keep up or they could feel like they're losing part of their role. And actually what they need to look at is the opportunity of the part of my role that I can now really accelerate and excel in. Interesting. I have some advice there as well, uh, which is always useful. Um, Kurt, anything to add there? Yeah, I think that was, uh, that was fascinating, David. Um, and it touches on what, what we've experienced as well is that uh, we don't th throw the AI directly into the, the hands of the athletes or the runners. We made a concerted effort not to include, exclude the practitioners and the physical therapists. And we know that they, their expertise, their core expertise, is in yeah managing the runner, ma managing the athlete, understanding them injury mechanisms, understanding how to deal with them, communicate with them, build trust, build relationships, uh, all the social skills as well, not just the hard skills, but the soft skills are really important. Uh, but they're acknowledging that when it comes to sometimes the diagnosis or when it comes to understanding uh, what's happening out there in the, when, when they're not in the in their clinic, when they're not on the, the treadmill in front of them, are they, are they running the same way? Are they changing their patterns? What What is happening out there? There is very, very little. So they are starting to acknowledge that that kind of data can really, really assist them and that bringing those insights in con in conjunction with their interpretation models, uh, their philosophy is, is where it comes together in a very yeah, meaningful way, uh, linking risk factors, uh, linking what's happening in the outdoor environment to what the data is with their knowledge of, of, of interaction with the, with the athlete, the background, the, the injury history, the training status, they all comes together and that's where you have the best of both worlds. And i just like to touch on where I think, uh, I was just building what you're saying, I think this is really revolutionizing how they do everything. The, the workflows are completely different. Uh, they're also shifting the mindset towards more rehabilitative and treatment type of uh, work uh, to an offering that's more preventative medicine and uh, where they can assist in a way that's, oh, so we see something coming up from your data is a red flag. Does this mean something, yes or no? And come in and we can do a further evaluation so that if it's a marathon, for example, that's just the goal is to get to the starting line of the marathon, whether it be the New York Marathon, whichever one it is, that the goal is to get them there without sustaining an injury beforehand so that it turns from that and prehabilitation, prehab exercises rather than, oh, too late, we missed it. Let's try to get you back up as fast as possible. Uh, so I think uh, data in the hands of practitioners and the AI ass assistance there to really, really take off all those workloads, administrative workloads in the whole pipeline from analysis to 
getting yeah interpretable insights is that that's where we we can the technology make a huge difference thank you Ko. and finally miko anything to add there yeah i mean uh, very interesting points that you're saying and this, this this brings to my mind that 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 um technology will be in everyone's hands or in use more or less uh in the future it will come it will be more and more easy to to uh to get the knowledge or or, or everything and ai will help there to kind of analyze the the uh, data and so forth so so i i start to think here that that how how the sports will be in the future that is it the mental side then will, which will play the most important part if if everyone has the same uh, basics for 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 technical and 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 and, and that physical side of 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 the of the sport they they are they are doing so so but is it then the mental side which will you know it's the most important then in the end yeah pretty i think it's interesting i think it's going to vary as well like certain athletes and certain coaches are going to need more of the psychological components at other times the physical component and that like it's going to be periodized throughout the year i think i i think one thing that's really going to help the process is and that the responsibility is really on on us as people that are building technology which is to continually publish and sort of make the not the new domain knowledge accessible throughout the process because I, I think that's you know now that we have technology that can collect large data sets in real time the ability to turn that around into an academic publication that actually disseminates the information is also accelerated you're not going through traditional processes so I think you know that 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 is one thing that is on us as well to help people in those positions make informed decisions and be able to draw on the relevant literature throughout the process. Fantastic. Thank you, David. Um, so I've got a question to pose to you all for the final point here. And um, it's a, it's a two-point question. Um, so first of all, what are some of the most exciting new developments in AI-powered uh, sports technology that we can most likely expect to see in the future or might already start starting to come in at the moment? An extension to that is how might they change the way we approach sports? So what are some of the most exciting new developments in AI sports technology um, and, you know, how might they change the way we approach sports? Uh, Kurt, do you want to start off here? Yeah, sure. I think from in our context, uh, the, one of the most exciting things here is being able to really deliver actionable insights in real time and um, that the, the, the level of sensor accuracy has got to a point now where we are feeling confident in the conclusions we're making. And we're also how the technology now we're entering a phase where we're disseminating knowledge really, really quickly and facilitating communication between all stakeholders instantly. So it's um, the learning process is just so much faster. And I think that's I think that's one of the most exciting uh, developments, at least in the wearables, uh, the wearable uh, technology scene at the moment. Thank you. David? Yeah, I'd piggyback on Kurt a little bit there. I think it's, I think it's, like I said, being able to provide actionable insights, but at a, at a higher level, it's closing the loop because I think where we are now is we've, we've never had more data than ever, but a lot of the data exists in siloed streams or unaggregated from other things that can provide additional context. So maybe we're trying to make an inference about your nutrition for the day, but we actually need your sleep data to be able to help inform that. So I think it will be the the aggregation of these silo data streams into more of an ecosystem that can then be used to it, you know, transform that into something that can then be actionable. 
and say, this is what you need to do now and moving more towards that predictive route, looking at the, the variety of, of data streams that we have available. Brilliant. Thank you, David. And last but not least here, Miko. Yeah, uh, what I'm thinking here is that the, that the, how the, how this whole technology will change the sports. Uh, I, I will start starting to think business-wise uh, a bit. And, and uh, as an example, the football uh, here that kind of, uh, because we you have lots of data available, uh, but how these uh, uh, big uh, um, clubs like uh, like in, in in England, you know, they they how they use the data and how they collect the data and how they can get the uh, competitive advantage from it. So what I've heard already that they are doing coalitions, for example, around the world to collect data from the juniors to get the best players uh, because they they collect the uh, all the data from juniors and who are the best ones to to hire and and get the business and and competitive advantage and there the AI will help them and it's 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 it will be interesting. Thank you. So to round off here, then that was today's Evolution Exchange podcast. A big big thank you to David, Miko, and Kurt for joining us and sharing their views with us on some fantastic topics here. Um, we'd like to thank you for listening wherever you are and hope you can join us again next time. Thank you.